0: How was it working as a choreographer on Say Thinking Can
1: Dance? The stress never changes. I think the huh. show is built around a culture or an atmosphere of tension. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you're a contestant, you're like, oh, you're assumed. Of course they're going to do this because they want you. to they pull emotions from you. Yes. But I realized that that transcends to, uh, to everyone, um, even behind the wow. camera. So even people working on crew and everything, that tension, they, they let it permeate everything. Everyone's nervous and everyone feels like if they don't prove themselves... That there is some terrible
0: thing that will happen to you. Hey, the Steezy Podcast is brought to you by us, Steezy Studio, the number one dance app on the App Store and Google Play Store with over 1 million downloads. We provide curated online dance classes taught by the world's best instructors. Why did we create Steezy? To help you reach your dance goals one step at a time. Whether that goal is to perform with the biggest and best musical artists in the world or just be the life of the party at your cousin's wedding. I'm your host, Clay Boone's Knockett. Let's get to it. Philip Chabie, aka Pac Man, leader of I Am Me Dance Crew, featured on billions of seasons of So You Think You Can Dance, Street Dance China, choreographer Ed Sheeran, Taylor Swift, Neo, Wayne Brady, Justin Bieber, and possibly most important Steezy Studio. Yeah, absolutely the
1: most. Absolutely important, Clay. the yeah, most important. Thank you for bringing that up. I was yeah. gonna make sure you didn't forget it. Yeah. Hi, Philip. How's it going, Clay? You good?
0: I'm. I'm I'm good. I'm happy. I got my got my chai here. Nice. Living the life. Yeah. You
1: got your matcha? I got my matcha. I'm also living the life.
0: Love that. Love that. What'd you uh what'd you do today?
1: What'd I do today? I I woke up, so that was great. And then um I think this was the first day in a long time, um, where I d I didn't have to rush off to work in the morning. Love so, that. So yeah, this was this was actually one of them the relaxing days where I get to come at you without like crazy anxiety
0: <laughs> yes absolutely did you, did you have breakfast today i
1: i did i, did. I had a little breakfast burrito breakfast great. burrito yeah. what's
0: what's your um what's your mount rushmore of breakfast foods holy let's see it's like a top four
1: uh it's gonna end up being basic i know it is because there's certain things okay there's a particular this is so Cali of me, too, but there's a particular type of avocado I toast. Need, oh, I love yeah, avocado toast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. Uh, but there, there's a place near me that essentially puts, like, a bean spread underneath. Ooh. And then puts spread. the avocado, like, mashed avocado, and then a little bit of cotija cheese and, and like, oh, um, like cilantro and these, like, pickled onions. It's, it's a really specific pickled avocado onions, toast, though. but it is quite good.
0: Pickled onions are the, the goaded topping for avocado toast. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Bean spread. Do you like it when it's chunky? or do you like the mash of avocado?
1: Oh, uh oh, I like it mashed. You I like, like it mashed. mashed yeah. yeah. Well, I cuz sometimes they'll mix it in with like a little bit of salt and like yeah. they'll put a couple things in the mash and that yeah. kind of like makes the flavor pop a little bit. That's I didn't know I had this many opinions about avocado <laughs> toast until we just brought it up. But I guess I do.
0: That's why we're here today to we'll find out to how, to find... how I feel about <laughs> we can avocado. Go home toast. Now. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah.
0: Thanks. This is a great pilot. This is going to be this is going to work. It's going to be fire. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Avocado toast. That's that's a good that's a good top breakfast food. Let's get into some fun fun little questions. Okay. First thing. All right. Is Pac Man? Yes. Did, the did name? You, did did you? Did, yeah, your name. Did you did you like the game? Um, I, I did like the game. I wonder. It was weird. I think I had
1: the fortunate uh, experience of having a couple friends around me when I was making the name because some of the other
0: you made the name.
1: Uh, they kind of we were going through a bunch of names because I had just joined this very small crew of poppers, And we were talking about, like, I had to enter battles and I was nervous about it and I wanted to pick a name and and they were basically telling me no to all the names I suggested. Dang. But for good reason. They were all like... (laughs) Let uh, me hear
0: a reject. I need to hear a reject.
1: Like... It was anything. It, like, I think it was like pioneer or like it was. It was all like self indulgent. Like I thought it was cool at sixteen. Uh-huh, uh-huh. It was. They were the worst. The worst. Like they, <laughs> they wouldn't have lasted at all, and and no one would want to see that person battle. Yeah. Um. <laughs> but I think because I was really into uh, tutting and mm. and I think there was like some also the fact that Pac Man was kind of fast and I had a huge problem rushing.
0: Oh. So like they always, they always
1: thought it would be like because I was it was always like I was chasing. And oh. they, they thought it, so. It was almost like a, a diss to myself in a way because it was like I was calling like, out what your yeah what my my weakness was. Mm. Um, but because we were all cool, they were like, I think that name will stick better mm. than you know something trying to make yourself look cool. Um, so when they gave me that name, I was like, okay, cool, I'll, I'll I'll do that. So then, honestly, it just became a thing that stuck for a while, and huh. and it was not direct. But also the other, the main reason that made it easy was that my initials are PAC. What's A uh, Assad. So, As- it's actually my dad's first name is my middle name. Oh. So, yeah. So it's oh. Philip Assad Shabim. Nice. And that just made it an easy, easy answer. It was like P-A-C, PAC. So, PAC man.
0: You should have been PAC child. And then PAC. PAC. when you grew up, yeah, yeah, slowly. You could have been, yeah, could evolve.
1: <laughs> just a PAC senior citizen. PAC
0: senior. So, yeah, <laughs> <at laughs> that that's the goal. You know, we, we all want to make it to that point. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, we, we did a little bit of research and stuff, which I think is always. Uh, I'm scared. Yeah. It's always interesting. Okay, nothing too crazy. Mm -hmm. But, so, did you start dancing when you were around, like, was it 15-ish?
1: Yeah, I was around 15. Um, yes.
0: What I don't know is, did you start a dance studio at age 16?
1: Yeah, that was, it was a weird thing, because what, um... I there wasn't a lot of studios actually in Houston at the time. There okay. was a couple, but almost all the studios that are out there now that are are killing it are weren't around at the time. So mm-hmm. it was it was one particular studio, and I was around 15. I had just um, I was supposed to be on the baseball team in high school. I did a bunch of sports previous to this, and. I think I, I got a line drive to the face, and I ended up going to the hospital. Oh, and, my gosh. Uh, it became a whole thing during the tryouts for baseball. So, then I basically had months off because I had to let that heal, and I yeah. couldn't really join the baseball team. So, um, a couple friends of mine were like, why don't you just come and try dance? Which was uh, such a... Uh, it's, Obviously. <laughs> and I think it was mostly because during the school dances, I, I, w- I loved like doing weird... Mm-hmm. like. Um, I think when Kazaa and Napster were still popular, sure, like sure. the only videos you could download of dance was like people at raves, yes, doing like like some digits or some Love waving, it. and maybe like a Crip Walk video or something. Mm-hmm. And then I had no context what I was uh, actually the copying. Times. Yeah, yeah. So like I was basically just waving my fingers and Crip Walking at school dances, and that was like my only way to mm-hmm. try to and in- well try to impress women. It, it wasn't super effective, <laughs> but people saw that and they were like, "Well, why don't you just come to a dance class since you like." doing whatever that is yeah um and and then once i went there i realized that there was there was some there was a freedom to dance that i think all the sports that i was enjoying it uh, didn't have and i Mm. think it was just the ability to explore um and find a game where if i was myself that was valuable and can Mm. be like built and developed where like in any other sport you're really trying to um fit into a mold and you're trying to develop yourself to be as good as a version of that mold as possible. You know, if you, oh, you have I to run a certain speed. Way. You have to jump a certain speed. Like, it's, it's. there's less of, like, a personal expression in a lot of yeah. sports. But dance, immediately, I was like, oh, wow, I can kind of just be my weird little self and develop that, you know, apart from competition, mm. and I can compete with that. It was just a weird – to me, like, the whole world – and I think a lot of people don't realize this if you're already in the dance world, but it's a very rare – Thing, especially the battle world, is that you can develop yourself independently and then compete with that, Mm. even if it doesn't have that much similarity to anyone else.
0: I think it also depends on the battles you go to, right? Yeah, because people, some people really judge based off how you are compared to the mold that they understand.
1: And actually, you brought up a good point because that was actually what that's, and I I don't want to go too far ahead of us. You do, but but what ended up happening was. In Houston, it was such a raw, at least at the time I was there, it was such a raw community for freestylers that all the people of my age that was, were freestyling were completely different entities, and none of the mm. techniques we used were the same. Mm. Um, and it wasn't until I went to the West Coast that I saw things organized and structured around styles. W-
0: was was it because there was just a disconnect to the, the original yes, exactly, cultures in Houston? Yes, exactly. Okay. I, think, I
1: think there was people who got different pieces of information. Mm-hmm. It was very much like a backroom, like... I figured this weird thing out with my body, check it out. Mm-hmm. And everyone kind of went independently in these different strains. So when you saw like my generation battling, literally no one danced the same. <laughs> uh, but we were all like inspired from the same original styles. Like, yeah. It was still popping. That was the original, but we just didn't know enough about it I to, to be bound yep. by it. Um, so it ended up being, it was a really good, I think, a uh, place, like a cauldron for me to find myself and, mm. um, and then you know, obviously when i when i came to the west coast i realized uh, the west coast was going through a completely different part of their journey because mm. it's already been developed and if anything they were trying to structure it more and more so it could be yeah. more legitimized in the industrial in the industry mm-hmm. because they were so tired of people in classical ballet and contemporary saying that their style was illegitimate mm-hmm. so they structured heavily to to, to fortify themselves against yeah. that sort of thing and it was it was amazing but it was so confusing for me coming from a place where like Popping battles were weirdly anything goes in Houston, mm-hmm. and then when you come to uh, like to the West Side, popping battles it was like, well, no, if you're not doing certain foundational things, you're not actually popping. Why
0: well, I'm not winning battles out here, guys.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why I, ne- I never won them. But 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 but, but, but the cool thing, it, I actually I respected both sides because I learned something from both. But um, when I was starting to kind of like round out the, the the that time period, it really was that freedom to kind of be whatever even if it didn't look like anybody else. Yeah. And that really allowed me some time because I think I think a lot of kids need that time to figure out who the hell they are. Yeah. And I think dance is one of those strange mediums where you can go through that process safely. Mm. Um, and especially street dance is a place where most people will accept you for doing it. Yeah. Um, and that really, there isn't a lot of places left where kids can do that without getting... Uh, criticized or 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 shamed for for just trying.
0: That's one of the most surprising things when I got into dancing because I, I got in like. A- I mean, in terms of age, I got in around, what, 13, freshman year mm-hmm, uh, of high school. And, and I think I was most surprised by how kind people were, especially because yeah. you see it and you, see, especially you see battle culture. And you're like, whoa, yeah, it looks aggressive. This is really aggressive. And I remember like walking into that like room and they're like, oh, hey, how's it going? You know, like, oh, you're, you're, you're Max's brother, right? And like in high school, I was yes. like, oh, everyone's so nice. Mm-hmm. Everyone's cheering. But you play the character during the battle. And I think that was a, yes. something I didn't understand until I was in it.
1: Yeah, yeah, even that. I mean, I remember bringing my dad who, you know, moved from Lebanon. He knew nothing of this culture mm. at all. And um, it was so interesting because we'd go to these like underground bars, mm. you know, and they, like, they look like seedy places. In, and then you In
0: Lebanon? Or oh, in, no, in Houston. In Houston, in Houston. Right? Houston.
1: Uh, and he would come with me because he just wanted to chaperone because I was still pretty young at the time. Mm. So he would come and um, even he was astonished at just like how welcoming mm. all the personalities were, even though you were in a place where, you know, most people would assume that this was kind of like an underhanded shady place. Yeah. And, and I'm sure there was like, I mean, regardless, there was probably things on the periphery that were sure. dangerous and uh, yeah. but like the actual core of the community. And maybe that's just what dance provides people really is there's the energy's put there. Yeah. So it doesn't have to be fest, It, has, it doesn't have to fester and come out in other ways. Yeah. um, So that was the beauty of, of being a part of that community. It was awesome.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So you started dancing at age 15 because like, what did you run into? Like what, what started it originally
1: yeah so uh originally uh like i said i downloaded a bunch of videos and i was just into the movement of it i was experimenting on my own but i didn't realize there was a community i didn't know there was a dance world mm-hmm. to even be into and um a friend of mine just invited me to take a dance class and it was take this class it was a uh, it was interesting because it, it was a uh, it was like a hip-hop choreography class okay um i took it i was terrible
0: was it but, hip-hop hip-hop
1: um it was uh not hip-hop hip-hop but it was like it was like studio. Studio, hip-hop. okay, got yeah. it. Yeah, um, but interestingly enough, I was actually pretty bad at it. But they, I think they saw that I really enjoyed just moving, mm. so they invited me to this kind of youth group that met once a week, and they were like, "Hey, just come and you can be part of this team." And that team mm. performs in different places around Houston or whatever. Well, you know? that's cool. Um, and the interesting thing is, during that, I actually met this small <laughs> group of outcasts that were like this popping team, and through and that that was with uh Moon uh Di Moon Zhang, um Sifu these are all like people that I <laughs> I trained with when I was a lot younger yeah and yeah they knew nothing about me but I realized I was like oh wait those might be the guys that I I want to be around mm. um mostly because it felt like they didn't fit in with like cuz they didn't technically do the choreography with the the studio group but they mm. were brought to all the performances to do their own thing mm. and I was like interesting and that felt like the most freedom you could possibly have and i think that was the first like um decision i had to make between you know mm. following the choreography route or just figure out how to express myself as a soloist and, mm. I, and i was immediately drawn to this idea of just being my own weird character yeah um and that also just gave me the freedom to make up movement however i wanted
0: oh yeah absolutely and then and th- does that does that trickle into like starting your studio what was the name of your studio
1: marvelous motion and i I credit moon for most of the the work on Mm. this because he was the older person going through it but essentially there was three of us all three of us um put in effort to try to make it happen i think the main impetus for it was uh the studio we had worked at really wasn't um conducive to street dance or Mm -hmm. to like the actual fundamentals of the style. And it's funny, because even at the time, we didn't even fully realize how far away we were from the fundamentals yeah, of the style. Yeah, I, I know that feeling. Because <laughs> um, actually, actually, a good example of that is that one of the first things, their original name before I joined was Boogaloo Soldiers. Oh. And none of us did Boogaloo. Did Boogaloo yeah. And I think there's something really funny about that, now, now looking back in, in retrospect. But anyway, so we ended up making Marvelous Motion, the studio, it ended up being kind of a place where we could kind of just invite people that predominantly taught... Um, street styles, but also we, it allowed us to actually practice teaching. Mm. Um, and that,
0: That's that's underrated, practicing teaching.
1: Oh, and, it, and I feel bad for people who had to be part of my practice. <laughs> yep,
0: same. Because
1: um, I remember the first class, and I, I, I think I thought it was going to be so much easier. Because mm-hmm. in, in your head, you're like, well, you just show the moves and then they do them after. Yeah. Um, and, and that is not what teaching is at all. Um, But yeah, but it was an opportunity for all of us to figure out how to teach Hmm. and yeah so that's what we used it as I ended up going to college eventually so the hmm. the studio remained for a couple years after i had left and, and moon was running that and then um but it, it always was like a, a pivotal couple years where I, I learned a lot of the the social skills necessary to move into the dance community after so it was it was interesting
0: was was college a path that you were always headed towards
1: uh yeah I've always been i've always had this. Rule in my life where I never let one thing uh, be a hundred percent of my life, um, and there's a reason for that. And maybe we can get back to that later. But essentially, the reason is I feel like when you allow one thing to dominate a hundred percent of your focus, you get tunnel vision, and you allow it to over-dominate your validation of yourself. So mm. you know, if yes. one thing goes wrong in that one thing that you put a hundred like all your eggs in that basket. It's your you you're worthless immediately. Yeah. Um so I've always found it that it's and and the world's a big place and it's fun to explore on, on just on a you know simple level but on a deeper level it's always been I want to make sure I have um a place to go to redefine myself if one thing is collapsing and and always something is collapsing at mm-hmm. some point in your life. Mm-hmm. So to have a place that you've already nourished so you're not just going cold turkey to something else whenever this thing falls apart. I've always kind of created natural hmm. transitional momentum and for me, I've always loved i loved science. I love uh, physics and that was something I really found fascinating. So it was natural for me to want to go to college for those things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I always had dance as like this other thing I was nurturing. Mm. Um, so at that point in my life, I think it was you know physics and engineering and all that was my focus. And then just in case that crumbled at any point for any reason i had been nurturing this dance love hmm. that's been that like just stayed with me throughout that whole thing
0: i think i'm quite interested in this these two journeys because you're not really speaking about them as if one was a backup necessarily oh yeah and so that's what i'm interested in like because i think a lot of people moving into a well, wanting to do something with dance. Most people don't think I can be professional mm-hmm, at mm-hmm. dance because no one really knows where the money is in there and parents oh, yeah. don't support that, right? But mm-hmm. for you, you had a love for this or you have a love for yeah. physics yeah. um, and you also have a love for dance. How yeah. how do you not treat it as a backup?
1: Um, I think ultimately, if we didn't put labels on things, we love one conglomerate of things naturally. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's like some people call it like our mandala or our dharma or whatever, but it's like, you are being hurled in a certain direction as a living being and that direct direction we, we separate into a bunch of names. So yes, I think I like physics or I like dance. Mm. In reality, those things, those are just names to separate apart. The one thing that I love. So I see them as feeding the, the journey, the momentum of where I'm naturally going. Mm. So if I love physics, it would be a disservice for me to ignore it completely. And if I love dance, it would be a disservice to ignore it completely or to even treat them as, um, um, one that ranked higher than mm-hmm. the other. Now, obviously, we have no choice but to prioritize because we live a finite life with finite time and resources. But when I do them, I treat them as if they're the most important thing that I could be doing. And then the nice thing is whatever I do in that thing, it really does feed the next part of my journey. Um, and I don't know if that answers your question completely, but I think it's it, that's essentially how I treat, and as we go uh, into other things, I treat the, everything in my life as serving that singular thing that i love and those are all fragments of it that come together to form the story or the line that is whatever your weird ass life is going to create (laughs) um so yeah that's that's why it's never it's never been really hard for me to be like no dance isn't a backup physics wasn't a backup whatever i'm doing now is not a backup they're just things that i'm interested in and i don't want to abandon because i think i'll have to abandon like everything will suffer if i abandon that thing
0: that's such an such an interesting perspective that i think really helps with prioritization of time and resources because i think a lot of people have that don't put all your eggs in one basket mindset or maybe some people are the exact opposite if you're not putting it all in Mm -hmm. what are you even doing but the reality of it is is yeah these are categorized and separated so that we can understand them and we can prioritize them but that doesn't necessarily mean that your identity needs to be tied to these separate things and when if if you need to prioritize something else you're throwing something else away like that doesn't need to be true
1: yeah yeah that's absolutely i think it's uh, sometimes the eggs in the basket thing is a good metaphor because i think it's the quality of the eggs not necessarily like how many because i think if you do everything with the um the assumption that it is extremely important, not that it's the backup. What you'll get out of it is going to be valuable. It's the energy ultimately that you do the things with. Mm-hmm. And I found that if you convince yourself that certain things are more important than other things, uh, the things that you've established are less important, you will get less out of, mm-hmm. simply because of the way that you approach them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I try, and I, I don't think I do this successfully all the time, but I do try to make it seem that seem to myself that everything I'm doing, is equally important. Mm. Um, like I said, that's not the easiest thing to do because there's certain things in certain moments you're like, I, I hate that I'm here right now. Yeah, um, this is not one of them. I'm very happy to be here. Um, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, but but I, I think it's just important for people to like you know try not to belittle um, the little things they have to do all day because mm. each one of those can be extremely valuable.
0: This all propel you towards that towards same that direction. same goal. Yeah, yeah, love that. So you went to college for was it engineering physics?
1: Yeah, it, it, the the title was physics engineering. Physics engineering. Um and yeah, I went to school for it. It was great. I loved it. Yeah. And this, the the price of the school is just way too expensive. I huh. couldn't really afford it.
0: Did you did you complete it all in one run?
1: No, I didn't even complete it. Actually, what oh. ended up happening is I um it was it was actually a tough time. Initially because you know me and my family we didn't have a ton of money and mm. we really couldn't afford the school like the school was great and I had a great time and, and my parents even like sold a plot of land that they had and uh, my dad sold a plot of land that he had in Lebanon to pay for one of the years and wow. it started to get to a point where like we were kind of just scraping the bottom of the barrel money wise to try to make this thing work and it's kind of like that thing as you see something that what i was saying as it as it disintegrates you have this other thing you've been nurturing so i knew that dance is something i had been nurturing even in college and i thought maybe that's going to be my way of helping my parents because they they really were they were putting the last that they had into trying to make it work but i was seeing after the second year i was like this isn't sustainable and then all of us are going to be in a ton of debt by the end. Yeah. And, it's, and I don't see, like, an easy way out unless I can establish my own, you know, revenue stream. Wow. So, so I just decided, I was like, all right, I need to figure out how to make this dance thing work. And uh, that's actually how So You Think You Can Dance ended up coming into the picture. Mm. Because it was right around the time that there really wasn't anything more obvious for a dancer to succeed at the time uh, in than getting on that show. True. That show was a. It had a weird life to it, where it allowed all dancers to see themselves as um, in pursuit of an actual career, rather mm-hmm. than in a, in a, a hobby that they'll keep for the rest of their life.
0: I mean, really, the only direction was like you teach at a small studio, exactly, and get paid barely yeah. anything. Yeah.
1: That that was essentially, and even that, I think, coming from Houston, I mean, it was such a because um, we even built a studio because there wasn't any. So, mm-hmm. the the class teaching structure it, it didn't feel sustainable either it was kind of random later i realized after i got on so you think and i realized that internationally there was a huge teaching scene uh but like the world was small for me in college so for me the only thing was like okay you either make it on so you think you can dance or you're gonna have to drop out of college and have nothing so i was oh. like okay well uh i can try so i had tried once when i was 18 right before i went to college and i um made it to vegas and like i had a, like a small moment on tv that was um was i think that was a turning point for me because i i you just have no concept of the distance between you and someone on on television Mm. like you imagine it to be massive Mm. and then you know i I took a trip to chicago i stood in line in the cold i i I did that my mom was watching that line
0: is crazy too oh it's back then it was crazy those like early audition days you get there the earliest hours, point hours i
1: mean oh. you're 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 sitting there for hours and then chicago was like right in the middle of the win- uh, oh, winter oh not the too. chicago winter yeah and, and i and i I did that all just because i was like all right maybe you know you know chicago will be a better option than you know new york or la sure, where, sure. like the competition's crazy <laughs> yeah. so i was like let me go to chicago so I, I flew over there with my parents we had a trip or whatever and the it, the strangest thing and i think this could be valuable for really anybody is even on youtube you know you'll have people you look up to right and you'll um, you'll never see them. So you'll imagine the distance between you and them yeah. um, is so massive, it's it's impossible to, to cross yourself. So we just took a trip. I stood in line. I go on there. I, I do a little wiggling around. And then I come home and I see myself on TV. And there was something that triggered. I, there was like a switch that happened in me and just realized that the distance is much closer than we think.
0: Mm. And also
1: I think it established that pretty much anyone you see on any screen uh, the reality is the humanity of everyone is so parallel mm-hmm. that it's really smoke and mirrors that makes people feel separate. Mm-hmm. There's really not that much that separates us all in experience, and it, other than like certain skill sets mm-hmm. and certain like personality traits, I mean we're all going through the same thing. Yeah. So once I understood that, I just I just tried every year, and, and then when I was in college, I think the third time I tried, I I got on, which was great because I was right around the time where. I needed. I needed it. I mm. needed something that was going to establish, um, some sort of revenue stream that was going to save me from going broke. Um, so that's that's essentially it, it. Was weirdly faded, um, or at least it felt that way. So, I auditioned. I auditioned actually with a, an ex-girlfriend of mine, Ariel, and. Had never. It's actually funny because I did partner work for that audition. And mm. it was actually just for her. I wasn't even trying to audition. Oh. Uh, she just knew I had been on the show before. So she's like, well, let's just do partner work together. They already know you. And it'll be like a fun little like cameo. And for me, I already assumed I would never be on the show. But I was like, let me go and at least show something interesting or weird. Yeah. And maybe the show will find it valuable. So I went on there. And they ended up passing me as well. I wasn't even really auditioning. Wow. So I was like, interesting. And as I went to Vegas, I kept going through. And then when I finally made it all the way to the end, I was completely in shock mm. um, and and wildly unprepared for the show <laughs> because I hadn't even had it in my it wasn't even in my foresight at all that that would actually happen yeah um it's it was a wild and confusing and weird time <laughs> but it was it was important so like one that kind of shaped a lot of who I am now
0: Wh- which um which season did you make it for? uh
1: season 5 was the one that I made it to the top 20 oh. uh, it was like to the regular episodes mm. um yeah and it feels like forever now cuz so many things have happened since then.
0: Well, I mean, you were on season 3, four, five, 11, 13 and 14?
1: Yeah, 11, 13 <laughs> and 14 were were choreographers. Yeah, yeah I, I was a choreographer on those seasons. Oh, that's so cool. Though. Um yeah, so that was when I was able to come back and and just you know, basically put moves on other people that are going through that stress. Um, but it yeah, it's it's been a long journey. That show is the perfect thing to absolutely break a person in every in every possible yeah, way. Yeah, it's like
0: it's not even like break into the industry, it's also break in yourself like you yes. said, really yeah. see that you you can be and are able to be on the same level as all these other people. Yeah, yeah. And and even I
1: think to some degree it also um it it makes your weaknesses more glaring too, which I think that's mm. I mean I think one of the toughest things and I think everyone this is something that was rare during my time, but I feel like everyone understands that if you've ever posted something on social media and gotten hate for it. You are susceptible to everyone's opinion of you, oh, yeah. and I think if you usually when you're attempting a competition, you're not really thinking that much about it. I mean, you know, in battles that people might criticize you here and there, but yeah. you know, you're generally like, well, I'll just get up and do it again. Yeah. But most of the people who watch these shows, especially some of the more cruel ones, they don't really care about you. It's it's a story for them to either like, they either want to just something to throw darts at, you know, it's just a, like a a target to hit with their like venom that they've been storing up from the life Mm. that they're not comfortable with and i think at that age it's the most confusing and i think any like i said this is such a common thing now It's like everyone knows or if they don't know they're experiencing it in real time that some people really don't think of you as a human being once you're on a screen yeah you're you're literally just a uh, character in a movie or or in a story that they can just demolish or tear apart as much as they want so that was a that was a one of the harder parts of the show was Mm. um Trying to extrapolate, you know, people are like, oh, why does this person want my family dead? It's like oh that's a weird what, thing. What? Like, because people just say whatever they feel like, you know. So they'll just say, and, and they they don't really know what they're saying. Uh, they're, yeah, they're just saying like, oh, this guy went home instead of this guy that I really like. So that guy must be the devil. And it's like, <laughs> Whoa, holy, Whoa. it's just a dance competition. Yeah. Um. So I think that those type of weird learning lessons, I think, are another thing that is really valuable because mm. you, you kind of start learning how to manage yourself
0: amidst people's opinions of you (laughs) it's it's funny i'll i'll dial it back to something less intense which is you know everyone says like you got to work a service industry job at some point so that you can like like you can understand your waiter or your barista yeah it's kind of like except no one gets not many people get the same chance to be like yeah you know i went on tv and received hate like there's a lot larger step to that however you well, uh, the funny
1: thing is now we're all performers because of Instagram social media. And social media. So, is if wild. anything, I feel like that uh, that's one of the rare things where I feel like the masses have gotten a chance to, to wow. join in on the fun. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, so I actually think it is one of those so rare fun. things where everyone can get everyone gets You're it. You're right. The yeah. age is
0: different now. Mhm. Man, did, did you um how how was it working as a choreographer on say Thinking Can Dance? Any uh really any interesting stories or moments?
1: Um, there's always uh, the stress never changes. I think the huh. show is built around, and I don't know if this is. It actually seems like it's by design, but mm. um, they create a, a, a culture or an atmosphere of tension. Mm-hmm. And you know, when you're a contestant, you're like, oh, you're assumed. Of course, they're going to do this because they want you. To, they want to pull emotions from you. Yes. But I realize that that transcends to uh, to everyone, um, even behind the wow. camera so even people working on crew and everything that tension they they let it permeate everything everyone's nervous and everyone feels like if they don't prove themselves that there is some terrible thing that will happen to you
0: i mean you also have to consider like choreographers like they they might not pass because your choreography is whack yeah and so i think there's a huge pressure oh, yeah, because on just, it's
1: not just you it's like that person's relying on you to improve their life <laughs> thereafter you know and yeah. it's like wow i'd I just wanted to think of a cool, you know, step with my feet. I wasn't really thinking about your whole life when <laughs> I was doing it. Um, so there's that stress. I mean, regardless, it's, it's a beautiful experience. It's like any other mountain you have to climb. You know, you have a challenge place before you. They make the time frame extremely small. Mm. You have to make a piece and you have to adjust it quickly. You have to have the director's input. I mean, it's, it's almost like a, a battle of communication because you need everyone's concerns to be addressed mm. within two or three days of rehearsal. And then you just sit in the audience and you watch it either the train... <laughs> crash or you see it like sprout into this you know know, this beautiful thing
0: (laughs) yeah maybe you win it, win an emmy (laughs) yeah yeah yeah
1: yeah yeah. or or it's forgotten forever it it, it's an interesting experience but i've always really found it valuable like it's something that i would no matter where i'm at in my career i'll always come back to to do that show because it's always been a good learning lesson wow
0: so you think you can dance, man. I yeah. remember watching. Was was your first season the one that when you were wearing that striped shirt? Uh, was that the first
1: when I was 18? Yeah, that was me in Chicago. When, when the world first got yeah, to see Yeah, when, <laughs> when I was doing, doing the, the
0: little wave. Yeah. Uh, what a time. Yeah, what a time. Look at you now. I'm still here. I'm still around. Yeah. So something I wanted to ask about was the direction you went with partner work now i mean i guess you said that you already were doing partner work with like your ex during that time but Mm -hmm. i wanted to ask about like the power of two or the power of three the power of four the power of more people because i think that it's like really easy to get locked into your own singular body being the that this is how you dance and yet i find it so interesting because you don't, you always seem to choreograph as if people are extensions of your own and you are theirs. And I'm like, what, what, when did you like land on that? You know, it's funny. That is hundred
1: percent. I think all, I don't want to say all. Okay. But a lot of like, a lot of poppers that work in the conceptual framework where they're holding points in mm-hmm. space or they're um, creating shapes or imagining shapes that aren't quite there and they're working around them. Um, that style has embedded in it a bodily extension. It's already in the style. Mm. And I think some people take it further than other people. It depends on where you want to go with it. But I realized when I was popping, all the concepts that me and other poppers were playing with was, okay, imagine something that isn't there being incorporated with your body. So, that's like one step beyond your own body. It's, okay, so now it's not just a body in space, but there's an invisible object that I'm working with. Yeah. And then eventually you, you'll you see prop battles and there'll be people who literally will take a prop and it'll make it an extension of their body. Mm-hmm. I think all I did was just seeing how many things I could add to my body to see how many different variations I could accrue. And the reason why, honestly, the only reason why two was, I think there's um, maybe like a, a core human reason why two is valuable. I think we all attach to the idea of the, the communion of two mm. bodies, so I think the reason why the like romance typically is told with this idea of two is I think it's, it's at a manageable amount of variation that the brain can handle and understand. Hmm. Um, Hmm. So you see two bodies communicate, but I think there's no reason why it can't extend further and beyond that. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that for me, I felt like it took me years to figure out what to do with just my body. So it was going to take me years to figure out what to do with two Mm. and then years again to do three. Because it becomes exponential, what those bodies can do when you start adding on. Yeah. Um. So I think all I was doing is just following the natural progression of what I was doing when I was sixteen. Mm. I think it was just constantly trying to seek out that next way to expand. Mm. Um. So that's probably what that power of numbers looks like. It was just trying to figure out how people can come together and act. And I think there was a there was a story there somewhere too because I think there was the idea that. People were, at the time, consistently trying to be um, independently valuable and distant from each other. And I thought there was something really valuable artistically about telling people the story of you can be different and still work together. Because it was either like side-by-side choreo, two people doing the same exact thing right next to each other. And they're super clean, Mm -hmm. right? Perfectly in unison. Or it was two people doing completely different things and it was in Discord, no. And I was like, I think there's a place where two people do completely different things and it is unified mm. and it is synchronous. And I thought there was a story there about, you know, even even cohabitating this idea, like when you're living with a like I live with Mackenzie, for instance. Yeah, it's like, do I have to make her me for us to live in in harmony or mm. do I have to live so separate from her that we can be our own person? And I realized it was neither. We can be our own people. And those things can gel and drive in a way that is that serves the totality of mm. our life together. And I think that's ultimately what that style, to me at least, represents. It's the idea of being yourself within the communion of other people, um, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, like well, as your work, well, we we can use your relationship of living and dance with Mackenzie mm-hmm. as an example. Like, in order to have a, I mean, I don't, I'm not trying to preach it to anybody, but I believe to have a successful relationship with friendships or um, romantically as well, like we have to set boundaries and we have to show where the doors are for people to enter as well. Yeah, And so that makes me really curious about the choreography process because in your Six Choreographers One song episode uh, of, you know, our, in our YouTube channel, you are talking about how a lot of the process isn't that fun. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's kind of grueling. And yet this means it's even crazier because you're going through this not so fun sure rewarding process with a person you're spending so much time with and i feel like wow there's there's a whole level of friction that no one even sees and no matter how much you're just telling us about i'm like i i can't even imagine how do you work like that it's
1: and maybe as an artist you tend to see everything as uh, through the lens of your art so that's why everything feels the same so this might be just me jumping to conclusions but Uh, The art and that that approach is the same way I approach my relationship, which is you – exactly what you said, you define boundaries and you define the open spaces where people – you can let people in. And really all you're doing is you're explaining to the other person, this is the shape that I currently am in. Hmm. Can you – find a place to be here with me? Like, if this is like the archways and the structures of of my personality right now, is there a way that you can fit in with me? And then where do we find contact? Like, where are your structures hitting my structures in, mm-hmm. in an unhealthy way? We talk about it, we make sort of compromises, and then we slowly fit together. And that isn't a comfortable experience. And mm-hmm. I think there's there's it's never going to be. I mean, the, the less ego you have attached to it, the easier it is, right? The less hmm. you feel like, you're identified with your structure, the easier it is to kind of morph and bend around the other person and be like, oh, okay, I can adjust. But I think the the best part about it is, it's kind of that thing you briefly said about being rewarding, is once you've... It, the the friction disappears because you've as have made yourself moldable, mm-hmm. it becomes the most fluid and beautiful and painless experience that you'll ever have. And it's kind of that idea where you choose a little, a little bit of suffering at first... So that the longevity of of your experience is smooth and 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 honestly enjoyable, and you have actually the capacity to look at that person and appreciate them instead of constantly worrying about which part of them is going to cause conflict conflict huh. next. So I think it is like it, it doesn't feel um, like it's ever not worth it, basically. Mm. And I, I think I am mixing dance, but it's the same thing because like obviously all my style is about threading and and moving through each other and past yeah. each other and lifting and carrying weight. And there is no difference to me between that and what I do with Mackenzie as a relationship. Mm-hmm. Just one is with constant communication and body language and words, and the other is just with physical movement. Um, but the same basic structure is exactly what you said.
0: I that that makes so much sense to me, and I really relate to the comparison of of dance as a relationship to human relationships mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um there's there's that there's that one phrase that term that so many people have said that i actually firmly disagree with it's uh, dance is my escape now mm-hmm. I, I believe it can be mm-hmm. but i think a lot of people say it as if that's necessarily a healthy oh, thing yeah. to do and for me i very much disagree with that because mm-hmm. i believe when i dance i am still my full self in yeah. dance right and if I am entering dance with my full self and I come with my depression, I come with my relational issues, I am that when I'm dancing. And that needs to be okay. Yeah, yeah. And I can't be running away from those things because I'm not also just dancing with myself. I'm dancing with people I love, with yeah. friends of mine, with, with people that I spend so much of my day with. And they're going to be affected by that too.
1: Yeah.
0: And I think that it's hard for a lot of people to understand Especially because they 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 enter dance from various ranges of reasons. For uh, I I have a hard family life to like trying to get ladies, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I think that no matter what your entrance is, I think it's always valid. But just know you're still always your whole self in there. Oh yeah. And it's hard to draw those sort of boundaries and um and also where to open those doors when you're just relating to dance itself and not a person
1: yeah i mean even by yourself i think you brought up a good point i i think and I, this is different for everyone i think that's why you brought it up that way it's a, it is a, it's a medium of confrontation in my opinion far hmm. more than escape hmm. because i think there's certain things that we refuse to confront in the normal ways because of you know social guidelines you can't just you know if you're depressed you can't just let it out at work right you have to find a place right mm-hmm. but to me dance is the place where you you put it directly in front of you maybe you film it or you put it in the mirror and you look at it you examine it and you allow it to change you in a place that's safe and to me that's the opposite of escaping it's like the only place where you can look at it for what it is Mm. because nowhere else is allowing you to um so i think everything that you said is absolutely accurate i think we are Our whole selves when we're dancing uh we're actually the parts of ourselves that we don't even consciously know yet yeah and that's the fun part about it is like you're finding things out about yourself you're finding out your own boundaries to things you're finding out your own uh limits or maybe you know the things that are beyond the limits you thought you had Mm -hmm. so i um i agree in disagreeing with the escapism approach I, i don't think there's anything wrong with um I just think it's misworded. I, I, there, I think is, I, there is there like, yeah, is Yeah, I think they, I know what they mean yes. by it. But technically the escape is confronting yourself. You're escaping from being um, somebody else. Yeah. yeah. yeah that, that's the escape. It's the yeah. escape to yourself. If yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think yeah, that's yeah.
0: a great way to put it. Mm-hmm. Which also just makes me think about the, uh, I guess it, it's sort of around the realm, but talking about unique individual style, because if we're consistently confronting who we actually are... That allows us to become more of who we are, yeah. and I think a lot of people struggle with the concept of they. They, they simply ask, "How do I find my own style in dance?" That's mm-hmm. the 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 you know century old question. Probably yeah. century old. I don't know how many yeah. people in the street dance maybe, but yeah, how yeah, do you yeah. find your own style? That's yeah. such an interesting feel.
1: and I, th- I think it, that question has probably been posed to me more than uh, a lot of other qu- questions. So I have more answers for that but i think the more recently i think it's been i mean it's kind of the same thing i've said before i think it's a lot of people look into the style itself to find themselves and they look around at other dancers and they're trying to see like oh which one of these games could i play that looks the most like me Mm -hmm. instead of realizing and this is something i got lucky with like i said with the community i jumped into making your own game, and I think making your own game is terrifying because mm-hmm. you're like, well, what if no one else wants to play that game? What if you do something physically and everyone's like, looks ugly to me, Yeah. right? And that's the most ter- terrifying thing It's like you started a new game, a new thing, um, and nobody wants to play the game. Mm-hmm. But I think ultimately you will never achieve the highest level of whatever you're trying to pursue in dance or whatever mm-hmm. until you've made it about who you are. And, mm. I, and I think to make that more clear, um, a lot of times I'll tell my students to go and experience life outside of dance and le- allow that to educate their dancing. And it yeah. seems pretty straightforward, but it's like, go, you know, you know, fall in love, you know, have your heart broken, um, you know, ex- spend some time with, you know, your grandparents, like find out about what their life was like, experience like a rich, rich life outside of dance and that is all the things that educate your dancing. So if you really want to make something unique or specific to you, you need enough number of experiences that are specific to you. Yeah. And a lot of people are running around going to every cookie cutter experience trying to get the knowledge. Well, I'm like, well, you're going to end up looking like everyone else who did the same things. Yeah. And um, I forgot who, t- who told me this once. But if you want to be like a, an individual in a group of – you know, tons of people that are doing the same thing. You can't be doing the same thing that, that everyone else is doing. Yeah. And that, that is just the the scary part of it. And the beautiful part of it is you have to do something alone for a while. And yeah. eventually people catch on because once you get really good at being you, people will give you concessions for being weird. Yes. I. I and I think <laughs> ultimately I went through it. I, I started battling. I realized I was like, this isn't the exact game for me. It's amazing that it exists. And it gave me a chance to start to find myself. But then when I came to California, I was like, This isn't where I shine. I love it. I love the community, but this isn't where I'm supposed to be. And then I went on YouTube. I got tons of hate uh, for just making weird, goofy dances that weren't good. Yeah. Um, But ultimately, I let myself just fester for two or three years, just being bad at something I really love doing. And eventually, people started to come around and check out what I was doing there. This is kind of cool. Yeah. And eventually, they accepted me. And it's funny because that is the process. And as long as you're willing to roll solo doing the thing you love for long enough, people will always come around because they can they can smell authenticity. I think a lot of times, and I think it's really smart of communities to do this, if someone just passively is like, I want to do something different, it makes sense that they'll ignore you at first. And also makes sense that they'll almost criticize you because they're mm-hmm. testing your resistance to that. Mm-hmm. Because how many people, and I think we've all met those people who are like, um, I want to be original and different. Um, and then they put effort into that for about a week and then they quit. Yeah. So it makes sense. The community is not going to like completely turn their whole value system over for you. Yeah. Uh, just because you had a whim one week and suddenly you want the whole community to change for you. Yeah. It's like, they need to see you putting the effort in and speaking your truth for long enough to know that it's real. Yeah. Um, and that's honestly the biggest advice I'd give to anyone who wants to originate something. It's like, well, go live a life that you feel is different and then take the time by yourself without any sort of supporters yeah. <laughs> um to to develop it and then once you do there will be people who come to you and like i love what you do
0: yeah that that is it's it's so it's so it's so much easier said than done right oh i mean it, it, it's, it's hard are, yeah we are emotional beings we get bombarded but but it, it sort of goes back to what you're saying in the very beginning which is like how each of these endeavors in life is not, they're not separate. They're all propelling us towards the same direction. Persistence in our whole self, persistence with our whole self in dance is the most rewarding and terrifying experience because dance is so vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Like like if, if we just strip it of everything, it's like, I'm... It's my body, mm-hmm. you're looking at me, every every little like like side pimple and stuff that you notice in the morning, that's on display for the world. Yep. And that, especially in this age with social media sharing all these things. And so yeah, I, I do think it's a terrifying experience, but the more we can come to the understanding that if we persist with our whole self in dance, we, we will grow from it and we mm-hmm. will love it. And even if other people don't love it, the fact that you feel safe in your body through that is such a wonderful experience oh yeah i I want more people to experience that. oh
1: yeah i mean there's there's tons of people walking around now that um are completely vertical for like 20 to 30 years yeah and i do think of dance as one of many ways in which we've constricted ourselves Mm. from from any sort of individual expression and i don't only mean it i mean you can take any nine to five worker who works in in an office and they're living life. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that life. It's fantastic. And whatever they're doing is gonna be valuable to their company. But physically what they've done to their body is by like completely remaining either vertical and then not allowing themselves to express even like there was mannerisms that you'd think would be natural, but even those are like subdued because like, Oh, that's not, that's not what we do in this setting. Hmm. You know, like, so everything animalistically that comes natural to us to define ourselves by the way we sit in a chair or by the way we uh, move or walk. Everything has been kind of conformed to some idealistic image. And I do think that that does something to you psychologically. Um, That's why I feel like dance is, at least in my opinion, is one of the easiest. I think, you know, singing does that. I think Mm. painting, a lot of the arts do a similar thing. It's like a place to reach and stretch, Mm. to take up a different shape than just this, Like linear body that just wears a suit and sits in a chair, stares at things, and then goes home and does the same thing. Um, And I really don't mean that to to demean the jobs themselves, but I think the fact that we can't be ourselves in those jobs is worrisome a little bit. Yeah. So those
0: those effects um, of of habits uh, of formed by the environment really do trickle into everything that we do in life. Yeah. yeah. I I remember um, early days of Steezy. um, I would we would be having meetings and. I mean meetings with four people because it was four of us. Right? Yeah, yeah. And I I I sit the way I sit. And I'm I, I like get on my knees mm-hmm, on, like on these chairs. I like sit on the back of it. Yeah. Um and sometimes I just stand up and I just start stretching. And I remember like like I remember Connor, uh co-founder, one of the co-founders of Steezy, he was like, like, can you just sit down? <laughs> can you just sit down? I was like, I was like, I don't know. Like, it really helps me. But he's really understanding of it. Like, he just had to hear yeah. and like see what it meant. But basically, every meeting I have with any person, at some point, I get up and I start stretching. But I'm paying really Close intense, attention. yeah, attention to them. And I think there's something about the culture at the company that I love because this is a this is a nine to six, you know, uh-huh. and we are we are out here grinding as a tech company, yeah. but it's the only company where you walk in and you might not win a dance battle against any, you know, every yeah, person. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, the yeah, only yeah. place where 100%. you see the, the employees like take, take a dance break, yeah. stretch, like doing full splits while talking about the, what to do next in the app, some bugs, you know, yeah, yeah. it's a weird place. I love it. I love it. I
1: mean, <laughs> it really, it's gonna, and I, I really do think it sets uh, a precedent for a lot of other people that come in here too to feel free and comfortable. Mm like i mean i I'm obviously as a dancer, that might seem assumed, but I've never felt like I had to stiffen or change myself as I entered, and I think that's a really valuable atmosphere that not a lot of places can pull off, especially <laughs> tech companies, yeah, 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 so I'm
0: glad you feel that way. It was interesting when you were talking about so Think you can dance and how they form this uh sort of i don't know this atmosphere of tension yeah i, I have talked about that a lot during not about so Think dance, but about Steezy involving our series is because sometimes i look at our videos and i'm like man if we made videos actually had more like tension mm-hmm. in them i'm sure they would do better but i feel so uncomfortable doing it that it just i i just can't bring myself to making video series of that i remember like we were like three choreographers one song how can we like you know maybe make the dancers like feel have, like it's a competition yeah feel a little bit With more 100%. of a competition and i think at a certain point i'm like, if I was asked to do three choreographers, one song. And I knew there was a direct competition because there is always a competition. There's yeah. there's always Just the- naturally. it's naturally. Yeah, you're com- you're being compared to two other dancers, plain and simple. Regardless. I was like, man, I don't want to make people feel like they're battling their friends, especially in the culture that we have at Steezy, which is like dance because of whatever reason you want to dance. Yeah. And yeah. I think that the world has made almost every one of these arts- more competitive than they they naturally are Need they've, yeah, they've yeah. formed yeah. tension and that makes for exciting television exciting videos exactly. Interesting. i get it i know it'll probably make these videos pop off more i just can't bring myself to do it
1: i think it's good i think having a voice that maintains the original I, I, and i i wasn't around during the very original but like from the ogs that i've i've spoke to about this the inclusivity was priority Mm -hmm. and obviously there was a big part of the the community that was based on you know resolving things through battles and that that is real and it's good good to address it but I think it's cool that there is a safe haven for people to feel like oh okay it's the thing that I said when I first started dancing you guys are providing that and I think it's good like the idea which which thing oh the thing where you are open to everyone being involved Mm. and included and appreciated and I think there has to be somewhere for that. And everyone's capitalizing off of tension. Yes. So it's good that everyone has a place to go. And they're like, oh, I can be safe here and not worry about, you know, whether so or so is better than me. I can just, like, work on getting better Yeah. in a safe place. And then when I'm ready to climb that mountain, I can do that separate yeah. from here. So I think it's great that you guys maintain that. For Thanks, sure. man. I appreciate
0: that. Mm-hmm. It's fun here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's this really crazy big show in china mm. called street dance china yeah um I, I i i have not watched full episodes of it but obviously i have a lot of friends that are choreographing i got asked if i wanted to be a choreographer on it but I, that i would have to be there for like a months and months and i got this whole thing happening yeah it and makes sense. but i think a lot of people especially in america maybe asian people know more about it mm-hmm. but uh this is a huge show yeah. i mean i didn't even know like my mom's friends were all like <gasps> street dance chant they're talking about franklin i was like franklin my boy franklin <laughs> forankurin. Forankurin. yeah forankurin. <laughs> yeah. and i i just like it, it blew my mind how big this show was and i don't know that much about it aside from i like that they point out like street styles and they like mm-hmm. they, they tried to like make sure people know what's happening on screen yeah. but i don't know this is a general question what was that all about what how is was that? that
1: yeah yeah <laughs> i mean it makes sense that you haven't seen a full episode because each one's about four hours oh um, what <laughs> uh, not every single one but i remember even there was an eight hour finale once. <gasps> so the the, le- the length of these shows are completely different and i don't know how they manage to maintain audiences attention for that long but they do so the structure is is wildly different okay um then shows here in america where like we're fighting to get people to pay attention for 20 minutes yeah um but regardless, it it's a fascinating show. I think just structurally, the show, um, essentially, it's a mashup of what we would see at ABDC. So you think you can dance? It's basically every dance show you've ever seen, and then they just mix it together. Like mm. the the and even shows that aren't dance, really, like The Voice. So you'll have four ce- main celebrities, and there'll be celebrities typically from China, but it might be Korean and a couple other places, and yeah, it changes every year. And those celebrities have. Uh, they they basically have dancers audition for them and join their team. Mm. And those teams then compete. So each of the celebrities has their team, which is very much like The Voice. Yeah. Um, Except for dancing. And the dancers have to go through what I think is probably the most rigorous uh, range of, of tasks because they not only have to be great soloists to get through the audition, but then they have to do group routines with groups and they'll even sometimes be put in duos. And a lot of times they have to just pull... Stuff together. I mean, that's why there's such a big choreography team behind the scenes, Yeah. because there's such such high expectations and very little time for sleep. I think it's just more brutal than a lot of the shows. Yeah. Um. In I the mean, States. that's a lot
0: for you to say because So You Think You Can Dance I know is quite brutal. And
1: actually, So You Think You Can Dance I think in its early years was probably equally brutal, and then eventually it started regulating it a bit more, so everyone had a little bit more time to sleep. Yeah. Um. Nice. But like in the early <laughs> days of you know reality television, there was just just less precautions taken for, you know, people's, you know, physical well being. Yeah. Um, but in China it's still kind of at that place. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, In China it's still <laughs> in that place. So, so you know, people really aren't sleeping much and they're having to perform on, you know, just any you know, a couple hours of sleep each night if, if that. Um so it's it's a wild ride, but I find that the show there's value in it and exactly the thing that you mentioned, that street dance has never fully come alive on television in America yet. Mm-hmm. But it does there. There was mm-hmm. real battles. Like there's been a couple of battle shows obviously in america yeah. but it's never really risen to the height of you know what so you think was and what um uh you know um abdc uh abdc but also uh dancing with the stars which mm. is like continues to do well yeah um this show seems to hit all the marks it has obviously the celebrity feature which yeah a that's lot- huge. brings in a huge following like uh, dancing with the stars did and then you have real street dance so you get to bring specialties and show them what they're show what they're good at already yeah. um so you get constantly impressive performances um and then you all you have the same packages and stories mm-hmm. so they do the whole thing where they like um you know if you have you know a sad story at home they'll tell you the sad Gotta story you know? yeah, yeah 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 i think it's a it's a weird and crazy chaotic mashup of things and ideas and it works for people.
0: What did you do on the show?
1: So I was a choreographer on the show. Oh, I I was a choreographer and director for something. So for some dance pieces they would go off site and they would shoot basically a concept video. Kind of like what we would do for YouTube um, back in the day and even now uh, where you have like a dance concept video and you would shoot it for the celebrity and their team. So sometimes I would direct those films Mm. or on the show itself I would choreograph some of the pieces for especially... It's kind of a supervising role because the idea is that, okay, maybe uh, these two dancers can handle themselves. They know how to choreograph. It's fine. But then you get some freestylers that are incredible freestylers, never choreographed in their life. Yeah. So it's like, all right, they they'll throw us in there and be like, put something on them because you know, we need this to not look bad. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's basically what they do. And that's how they um, quality control the whole show yeah. um, in a way that I think, you know, America has it quite figured out how to do that quite well mm. um because the whole idea is like you get free sellers that can battle but then once you have them do shows um and they've never done choreography choreography for choreography before um they end up kind of falling off at that point so uh yeah somehow they managed to figure it out they bring like 10 choreographers from america and we just handle the the gaps
0: were there any dancers that you didn't know about that really surprised you um
1: yi ying Uh, Mm -hmm. Yi Ying is one of my favorite... Because I've been there for three or four seasons now. Mm. Oh, wow. And so, yeah. So, I've worked on the show since its first season and all the way up to its most recent. And Yi Ying, I think, has won twice now. I think he came back and won a second time. (laughs) Um, It was actually him and Franklin at the end. Oh, okay. Um, And as far... I mean, obviously, Franklin is amazing, but I know Franklin. So, that wasn't a surprise. So When I I saw Franklin, I was like, you're going to do amazing. Yeah. Um, But Yi Ying was particularly one of the chinese dancers that i was like wow like this is like a diamond in the rough like this Holy is a, this is a character that if he got out of china and like showed the world what he's capable of i'm sure that he would be um one of the you know the best known dancers We gotta uh, bring him in
0: here yeah. you
1: should he's fantastic um you could just put on any song and he will impress you he just has like a weird innate ability to adapt to any music he's, he's amazing yeah so i i can't sing his praises enough so probably probably him he he was one that kind of shocked me for sure wow yeah
0: street dance china man yeah there's some talent showing up in those holy moly Hmm. well philip last little thing i'm curious about is yeah. your your interest in film directing mm-hmm. and what perhaps what you see in terms of longevity for career slash hobbies in relation to that because i know that you really do love directing right yeah you you like the medium of film the most the most yeah
1: i think film has been it's been a weird and like growing uh obsession and i think it's getting more and more in that territory lately um film to me has a potential that hasn't been tapped and it sounds weird Whoa. because uh, and and i think almost all art forms have that but then it's it's up to the artist to see that potential and different people see it in different places i think i see it in film specifically with dance and i feel like there's an elevated type of storytelling that isn't played with very often and it's it's surrealist and obviously the idea of incorporating dance into films is typically done in a musical format. So mm-hmm. typically it's like dance break. We have this dance scene and then let's go back to the story with the characters. Yeah. Um, but I feel like there is a way to incorporate it in the same way that scoring is incorporated oh. in the sense that you have scoring to enhance the emotion of a scene but the scene is still preserved. We're still watching the characters interact. But if there was a way with a little bit of, you know, you know, you have to put some love and care into how it's crafted. But you allow the actors to do what they do best. You allow dancers to do what they they do best. And the dancing actually amplifies the story. It's not a slight derailment just for spectacle. Um, and I think, and I say dance, but, you know, dan- it could be any sort of movement and, and um, imagery that incorporates movement in that sort of design. And I want to find out what that is. And I yeah. think that's that's been my my more of my mission lately is and I part of it is getting better at the craft of film itself Mm because you know even just saying that film incorporates thousands of skill sets yeah and that's why your credits are miles long on films (laughs) yeah and it's and it's exactly and even if you're going into it saying you're like oh I want to do something new with film you have to be Aware of all of that, yeah. and and that process is like okay, I don't that's care. So it might take me twenty years, and that's fine. I'm I'm in it for the long game. But I think ultimately, I think if it's not me, it'll be somebody who finds that there is a way to incorporate um, moving visuals. And I think it's already happening in the CGI world but I think it also can happen with just human bodies Mm. and the way we could tell stories where um, really important aspects of people's psyche and people's experiences and and their interactions are amplified by dance. Yeah. Um, And it'll, it'll eventually happen regardless, but it's been a fun adventure for me to try to figure out like, how is that going to look? And can it be done without being corny? Yeah. Because then like, that's, that's the, the common
0: trope. Well, because, because dance itself especially just how we see it in media i mean it's well it is kind of what it is it's almost a hyperbolization of an emotion or a motion itself yeah. totally. and that almost guarantees cheesiness but surprisingly like musicals so a lot some people can't bear musicals
1: yeah no i i love them regardless yeah. they definitely I mean, they they work on me but some people absolutely can't
0: yeah but I do think that's interesting because it's worked where, for fight scenes, mm-hmm. right? The choreography exactly. for fight scenes works. Camera motion choreography with the movement of people works. But what happens when they're dancing, when we're, we're actually making it a dance? Yeah. That's it's interesting. super interesting. Mean, have you interesting. seen
1: Suspiria, the newer one? I no. mean, it's a horror film, so... I, no, I, 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 can't, I, 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 can't, I
0: can't. I get too scared.
1: Yeah, well, this one, this one might do the same. But there's a particular scene in Suspiria where... Um, and I I don't know how much of this... I won't do any any spoilers, but there's a particular dance scene in Suspiria. And uh, a girl is just dancing alone, but this anonymous entity that is invisible is basically um, pulling on her limbs to the point that they're contorted into... Yeah, but it's a dance scene. And it was a perfect example to me of a dance that serves a plot point point.
0: Oh. And, and
1: it actually allowed the it pushed the film forward wow and i and i felt like that's more or less what we need but it requires a cleverness because it has to be embedded in the plot it can't be an add-on just for spectacle mm. and i think lately not lately but like historically that has been kind of the way dance is used it's like well, this is supposed to be a big celebratory scene. Let's just amp it up by yeah. like putting, you know, some people, you know, with jazz hands, you know. <laughs> yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that, but it just just that's kind of been the way it's been uh, happening. So it, it it is cool to see people get creative with the way they embed dance into film.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh. Now I'm so What are you going to make,
1: man? Who knows? I don't even know. Uh, but, <laughs> but I'm going to keep trying. We'll see what happens. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, I guess we can Wrap it on up, Philip. You got a you got four eight counts ish. Tell us a bit about what's coming up and where people uh, can find you. All right,
1: let's see. I am deeply entrenched in choreography work, so that's been fun and that's been something a little bit more consistent. And that's, I think, that's my day job basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's been fun. I'm working on a couple, like a project in Vegas um, at the Wynn Hotel, who's hmm. who, you know has this new creation that's that they're that's gonna you know, be there for several years, that's which is tight. cool. I'm excited for that. I don't that, know. That'll be fun. Yeah. And it's, it's still in its early phases, so we'll see how it all turns out, but I'm, I'm excited about it. There's a couple other projects too that are more film and television oriented. So normal industry work, that's mm-hmm. been great. Um, on the back side, or at least in the personal side, I've been immensely immersed in, in psychology work. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, this might be something that everyone has or nearly everyone has been diving into recently. I don't know if it's a movement or because COVID provided people enough time to look introspectively. Mm -hmm. I don't know what exactly it is, but I think I just pulled on that thread and then I couldn't stop pulling on it. So I'm constantly devouring um, information on psychology and Mm. there's there's part of me that feels like it resonates deeply. I've been writing this book for a very long time Mm. on just kind of my philosophy of life who knows if it's worth anything, but it's been really revealing for me, uh, because I've been able to establish answers to some of the questions I've been ignoring mm. in my own life, you know, and how to, you know, um, get the most out of it and have, uh, the things I do carry the most weight and meaning so that I can really, you know, just enjoy, you know, things instead of just working 24 seven and yep. realizing like, you know, what are the most important things in life? So that, has been a constant pursuit and that's why sometimes on my Instagram, you know, people will see me like do talking videos. A lot of times it's just conversations I end up having with Mackenzie mm-hmm. and an interesting point comes up and then she's like, just record it. So we put the camera on, I say it and then I, oh, and then I move on. Yeah. Sorry about that. Um, so yeah, so that's been, that's been fun. And then the film thing has been pretty consistent. So I've been trying to make little short films the unfortunate part, and this is different than YouTube, is that with short films, if you want to submit them to festivals and things, you can't post them. Mm. So the uh, the ability to share them with the audience has has been um, kind of revoked uh, to to kind of enter that territory and 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 meet that community. So that's been the really only downside to that because I really always want to share you know the things I do with people. But there's been that on the back end too is just creating little films that I can slowly <laughs> get better. At uh, the the millions of skills necessary to be a, mm-hmm. a good director, um, so those two things are my loves. Um, fi- I guess on a personal note, I don't know how personal like, we want to get, but Mackenzie and I are just trying to um, we're hustling right now to see if we can take because obviously we're engaged now, and mm-hmm. you know m- we're working on planning the wedding, and you know inevitably you start thinking about kids and yeah. things like that, and I think. Um, our excitement for that is growing. Wow. And and it's it's been something that we've been talking about for a long time. I think she even this morning, she was telling me how she had a dream that she met our kid and she was just like completely um, in love. And like she was almost oh. to the point where she like missed the kid that hasn't, oh. hasn't come yet. Wow. And um, I think it's just it's it's just growing like the, the passion for being a parent is growing. Wow. Um, so I think that's another thing. That we're like running
0: towards. Yeah. The, your, your ultimate collab.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Literally our ultimate collab. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> that's exactly what it'll be. Um, so all of those things. And, and uh, yeah, it's uh, have you seen everything everywhere all mm-hmm. at once? That's that's what life feels like right now. Yeah. Uh, entirely like that.
0: Absolute mayhem. But there's plenty of grounding elements. And,
1: t- and just ton, tons of beauty and joy amidst the chaos. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what life is right now for me.
0: Thank you for, for sharing. Of course. This Thank you for much. such a blast, me. man. Thank you so much. Thanks again for tuning in again. This podcast was brought to you by us, STEEZY Studio. Be sure to get your dance on today too. So if you want to get some exercise in, take a STEEZY sweat class. If you want to just vibe out and feel good, you definitely need to check out a good groove along. Or if you're up for the challenge, it's time to finally start one of those advanced classes you've been eyeballing. We'll see you in class. This podcast was produced and edited by Josh Jang and the theme music for the podcast is Tempo by Neiman.